This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, since Russia invaded Ukraine on the 24th of February, the world has changed uh, and it's changed dramatically. It isn't just a conflict between Ukraine and Russia. It is a conflict really between the West and the democracies and the authoritarian world because uh, Russia has been supported by North Korea, uh, by China significantly, also by India, and it has brought the whole question of uh, free societies being invaded by authoritarian neighbours very much into focus, and right at the heart of that, we have the long-standing differences between China and Taiwan. The Chinese regard Taiwan as part of their territory, and in recent times, they have been putting pressure on the Taiwan uh, military, flying into Taiwanese airspace and making threats. And we're joined now by William Yang from Taipei. William is uh, one of our most popular contributors to the stand, and the information he gives us is invaluable. William, uh, just to take first things first, last Thursday, I believe... The Russian and Chinese navies held exercises in the Sea of Japan. They clearly are sending a message about their A, their unity, and B, in the case of China, they are yet again signaling threats to Taiwan. Is that an accurate assessment? Yes, I think uh, this uh, ongoing military exercise between Russia, the China, and India, and several other countries is in fact, I think, a larger signal to the democratic uh, world about the ability of both of these uh, big authoritarian states uh, to have a very convincing and threatening military posture in different parts of the, of the world to yes. compete and challenge uh, the democratic world order. And uh, Japan has 
uh, been at the front line of the repeated uh, mil- threatening military activities uh, that is posed both by China and Russia over the last few months. And uh, the current uh, military exercise has once again renewed the uh, concerns in Tokyo. And uh, also the call from Tokyo about uh, to these two countries to basically stop uh, these very threatening military activities. Uh, but I, I think it's a little bit less about Taiwan in this particular case, because yes. as we know and see, uh, most of the military exercises are in fact a, 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 a long distance away from the uh, military exercise that China has uh organized last month uh, right around Taiwan uh, for seven days. Uh, But while China is participating in the military exercise with Russia, it continues to send military aircraft, drones, and also naval vessels uh, to areas that are very close to Taiwan. And in, in some cases, the drones basically flew to the airspace that's right above the outlying islands uh, that belongs to Taiwan. And so uh, this, I think, uh, is a very clear sign that China is really now confident in its military capability, and it is definitely ready to uh, expand its military footprint and use it as a way to really push back against uh, the Western democracy's attempt to contain China's expansion. Yes, and would I be right in believing that the Russian invasion of Ukraine was a catalyst in a way, in that Russia was able to do it without NATO or the United States physically getting involved. Yes, they provided arms and support, and the West has supported Ukraine, but in a military sense... Russia has been able to do what it wants. And just in that context, I I believe North Korea has also entered the fray by giving weaponry to uh, support Russia. So uh, in a sense, the Russian invasion on February 24th was the beginning, perhaps, of a new era where these authoritarian states feel they can do what they want. And of course, China, uh, China's ambition to take Taiwan back under its control, as it did, for example, Hong Kong, is right up there, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, we can view all of this as a chain of effect. Uh, The Russian invasion of Ukraine definitely is a reflection of how these uh, large and uh, autocratic countries still felt like there is a need for them to use some kind of very threatening uh, move to uh, remind the world about their ability and their ambition. So in the case of Russia, the invasion of Ukraine is uh, a very clear example of that. And uh, when it comes to China and the ongoing uh, escalated military threats against Taiwan... I think part of it is definitely uh, Beijing seeing how the U.S. and other Western democracies being distracted uh, by what has been happening in Ukraine. And they see this opportunity of uh, vacuum for them to reassert themselves 
uh, around the area of Taiwan. And so they visit uh, of Nancy Pelosi, the U.S. House Speaker, yes. to Taiwan last month, basically became a pretext for Beijing to justify their uh, ambition to yes. escalate their military activities around Taiwan. So uh, now what we're seeing is a new normal around Taiwan where China has ignored the long-standing unofficial demarcation line of uh, the median line of the Taiwan Strait. They've been repeatedly sending their military aircraft and naval vessels across the Taiwan Strait uh, while at the same time using other tactics to wage what the Taiwanese officials here describe as the cognitive warfare. So I think uh, this now has become a larger global phenomenon where we are seeing uh, autocratic countries with uh, a lot more stronger military might using these hard powers to try to intimidate their smaller neighbors while hoping that it could potentially use these situations as a way to force large democratic countries like the U.S. to either uh, be very uh, distracted and overwhelmed by how they should commit their resources to, because uh, at, right now it feels like uh, there were multiple fronts uh, in this yes. world where the U.S. is really struggling to focus its resources on. But at the same time, uh, building this basically emerging new alliance, even though it's not very legally uh, committed, but at the same time, we are seeing Russia and China trying to align their messages and align their positions on several key regional and international issues and lending support to each other, both in the case of Ukraine and also in the case of Taiwan. So this is going to be a big challenge for the democratic countries that are led by the U.S., basically seeing how they could effectively respond without being viewed as showing any signs of weakness. Yes. In your view, William, was the visit of Speaker Pelosi helpful to Taiwan or not? I think this is a very tricky question to answer. Yes. First of all, uh, her visit isn't really that groundbreaking because there was already a precedent of another former House Speaker, Newt Gingrich, visited Taiwan in 1997. Uh, and her visit was part of a strain of parliamentary visits coming from the U.S. to Taiwan that was, a, that was already reportedly scheduled long before she made up her mind. Yes. She was only delaying her visit to Taiwan because she got COVID uh, earlier this year. Uh, of course, the timing of her visit may have been able to be arranged a little bit smarter or a little bit better so that it won't be viewed as a uh, direct uh, confrontation or provocation to yes. China. But uh, overall, it shouldn't be viewed as more special or with like a particular intention of uh, provoking China. Uh, if we look at the uh, track record of U.S. congressional delegations visiting Taiwan, but of course, at the same time, the timing of her visit uh, was a little bit 
too sensitive because it was basically around the day uh, that China celebrates its People's Libera- Liberation yes. Army Day. And it is also around the time when China was already uh, planning some military exercise in the region. So it basically gave China an opportunity to uh, escalate the scale of their military exercise without having and, and use Pelosi's visit as a justification for its unprecedented uh, the proximity of the military activities around Taiwan and also some unprecedented uh, practices, including firing missiles over the air of Taiwan uh, on the first day of their military exercise. And now this new normal that is uh, basically increasing the threats and risks that Taiwan will be facing is, I think, all part of this very uh, challenging situation that Taiwan has to deal with because it is on the front line of this very threatening expansion, ex- expansionist uh, move by China. And at the same time, it's also handing uh, Washington a very difficult task and a dilemma. Yes, they're testing the West, you could argue. The other point I could, would make to you, uh, William, is once these escalations begin, they're very hard to roll back. Yes, exactly. Uh, as we saw in the case of China's recent military activities around Taiwan, it yes. is basically Im- almost very, very difficult for any international power to just, uh, I think, resolutely push China back and convince them that this is the wrong thing to do. We don't know if uh, this kind of new normal is going to be here to stay, but it's pretty clear that the visit uh, is already giving China a lot of uh, excuses and reasons yes. to basically uh, use it to against Taiwan. So I think uh, this is, like you said, if the Western democracies cannot have a very collective response yes. uh, in, in, in the near future, it is basically going to convince China and other countries like North Korea that it is worth uh, pushing the boundaries without having to worry too much uh, regarding the real consequences that they have to pay for these aggressions. Yes, and we note, uh, it's worth noting that uh, there is a story now of North Korea supplying weapons to the Russians. I wanted to ask you now about China, and it has its own problems, William, doesn't it? Um, one of the problems being the zero COVID crisis they have. A zero COVID isn't working. There's a city called Chengdu. There are 21 million people in COVID lockdown. And there's also been, as I understand it, a collapse in their housing market. We had a collapse in our housing market here in Ireland in 2008, and it caused terrible damage to our economy. Uh, how much of a threat is posed for President Xi at this important time when he hopes to be given a third term as president, which is unprecedented? How much of a problem is their economy, the setbacks with COVID, and of course, the massive setback in their housing market? Um, I think the setback is definitely very 
comprehensive because the real estate sector has been one of the main drivers of the Chinese economy、yes. over the last few decades. Uh, but with the way that the whole market has been structured and the model of growth that the housing market that 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 the economy has relied on the housing market, it is basically very very tough for the、uh, Chinese economy to really find an alternative to make up for the huge amount of loss that、uh, the housing the real estate.、Uh, Sector is experiencing, and on top of that, the Chinese government's、uh, zero COVID strategy is also making constructions and also、uh, the overall economy e- economic activities becoming very difficult because the ongoing、uh, snap lockdowns that we've seen across China right now, more than sixty five million people are in some forms of lockdown across China. More than thirty-three cities are experiencing some form of lockdown, including, like you said, the fourth-largest city、uh, in China,、uh, Chengdu,、yes. with、uh, more than twenty-one million people. So these are、uh, very strict and, in many experts' view, draconian practices, are really disrupting the economic activities and、uh, halting China's attempt to try to revive their. Economy from the damages that was、uh, done by the initial stage of the pandemic very difficult. It's the momentum kept being disrupted by the government's decision to impose sudden lockdowns in certain parts of the country. Especially in recent months, we've seen、uh, lockdowns being imposed on some of the most important economic hubs in China, Shanghai, Shen-、yes. Shanghai, a few months ago, and right now in the southern、uh, industrial hub Shenzhen, which so many international companies are relying on for their manufacturing and the supply chain. So the implication of the housing market, the uh, local village uh, banks. Are merely the reflection of the long-standing structural problems in the Chinese economy,、yes. whereas it is being further worsened by the Chinese government's decision to keep imposing these、uh, very strict control based on the pandemic. So overall, right now at the moment, it's very hard for China to find a way, a cure for these problems, and experts are. Expecting these situation to continue to be there to stay for a while. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower dot com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber dot com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, is this hurting President Xi? Could it in any way stop him from being elected for the third time as president of the Chinese Communist Party? I think that's due to happen in November, and that will give him unprecedented power. Our people, or are, is the Communist Party, I suppose, because they're making all the decisions, are they having second thoughts? Are they thinking, this man has made mistakes? Um, there are definitely a drop in terms of the uh, people's faith in the central government, uh, but it's not necessarily already affecting Xi Jinping's authority. Yes. Uh, if anything, the sign that we should look to is the date of the party congress, which is uh, going to take place in October 16th, actually. Right. Uh, and it's a lot more, it's a lot earlier than uh, the party congress in the past when there are uh, important leadership changes that is supposed to take place. Yes. Because the previous two party congress that involves uh, party lead- leadership change usually both took place in November, which shows that there were a lot of internal faction uh, struggles that need to be settled first. But this time, they've already um, pushed the date of the party congress to October, which is almost a month earlier than what the last two uh, party congress involving leadership change are taking place. It already shows that there is very little struggle or compromise that needs to be reached. And this is a very strong signal about how much uh, problem that these internal uh, challenges are posing to Xi Jinping's authority or Xi Jinping's quest to become, to seek his third term. Basically, it is, uh, he's facing very little resistance. Uh, in the contrary to what many people are speculating a few months ago when they thought that the poor economic performance caused by the zero COVID strategy is going to give the uh, Chinese premier Li Keqiang a chance to challenge Xi, but that is totally not the case. Right. In uh, in in a in, like in the contrary, 
On the contrary, actually, Li Keqiang is ex expected to step down from his current position. So there is going to be even fewer people who might have actually enough authority to challenge Xi Jinping in the coming five years. Right. Let me ask you about the prospect of China's problems with uh, zero COVID and its problems economically with the housing crash. Does that significantly weaken their ambitions in relation to Taiwan in particular, but uh, in their ambition to stand up to America, to exceed America, to be stronger, to be the most powerful nation in the world. Do the problems they're grappling with now weaken their resolve, weaken their ambition, or at least make them look inwards at their own problems rather than looking outwards at Taiwan or indeed at the United States and the West? I definitely don't think it has already uh, imposed uh, that kind of uh, situation uh, on China. Uh, if anything, it is actually continuing to give uh, China the authority or the power to actually convince people that they need to complete this reunification with Taiwan yeah. with uh, more resolution so that they can focus on uh, tackling the domestic uh, issues. So I think uh, it's very, very important to basically uh, know and highlight this is the fact that these domestic or economic and uh, social problems are not necessarily going to become the obstacle or roadblocks right. for uh, Xi Jinping's power or his leadership in uh, the country, and it also will not distract him from the most important tasks that he wants to achieve. So I think these are all very important uh, things to remember and focus on. In Taiwan right now, how concerned are people about the developments of the last, shall we say, six months uh, since Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, since the Chinese created what you described as a new normal in terms of their invasion of Taiwan's airspace and land space, indeed, and the straits that separate Taiwan from China. How concerning is that for people in Taiwan? Um. I think overall, people are not like uh, very, very concerned yet at this point, simply because uh, there is like these threats have always been there. The proximity has become closer. Yes. I think people's awareness are definitely uh, rising, but at the same time, they're not overly panicking about the prospects because. Uh, unless they start seeing very real signs about other countries uh, evacuating their own citizens. Yes. I don't think Taiwanese people are going to feel like uh, it's time for them to consider doing the same as well. Right. And uh, to, to look at the problem China has with zero COVID, and I mean, to lock down a city of 21 people, Chengdu in this instance, is an enormous undertaking. It's economically difficult. And also for the people who are locked down, it's very difficult. Could there be resistance, unrest and discontent 
among the people in China? Or is that completely uh, off the table altogether? I think that's right. Like, it's basically uh, very difficult for uh, anyone in China to achieve that, as we've already seen uh, in many cases. There won't be another Tiananmen uh, Square. No, definitely not. The government has such a strong control over civil society. They have many different tools that does not exist uh, 30, some 35 years ago yes. uh, in China. So uh, there's definitely no room for any kind of large uh, uh, arrangement or like a mobilization within the civil society. If anything, uh, the Chinese gov government will only very effectively use different tools to uh, smother the fire even before they start uh, spreading. Yes. So yeah. uh, it's basically a wishful thinking for anyone outside of China to consider these moments as the potential opportunity for there right. to be another uprising. Yeah. And uh, finally, uh, the relationship between China and Russia. Now, it appears to be very strong. Putin went to the opening of the Winter Olympics, I think it was, about 10 months ago, and the Chinese are helping Russia economically in the fight against the West uh, in Ukraine. Uh, they are close now, and they are partners. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think uh, they have found more benefits to align their interests yes. uh, over the last few months. Uh, so this is the emerging trend that we're seeing. But of course, we don't know how strong this so-called uh, unlimited uh, friendship is going to be. But all signs are pointing to China and Russia using their different global platforms to really project their voices more uh, coherently at the moment. Yeah, let me just say, put one point to you, William, before I let you go. People in the West who are thinking about these things in the United States, in Europe, in the UK, they say, and indeed President Zelensky, uh, the Ukrainian leader, says, Putin must lose. He cannot be allowed to win this battle in Ukraine. Can you see that? Do you understand that? And is that is that belief shared by Taiwanese people? He must lose. He cannot get away with this. Honestly, the war in Ukraine has become much, much further from Taiwan right. simply because of the fact that, you know, uh, geographically, it's just very, very, like, yeah. far away from Taiwan and for Taiwanese people to relate to. Yes. The initial stage of the uh, invasion, of course, uh, triggered uh, more responses from the civil society. But as time goes on, uh, Taiwan realized that it has its own problem to focus on. So uh, I think it's uh, not going to be very easy to actually have a good assessment or understanding about how Taiwanese people really think about the Ukraine war. If anything, it is only a reminder for them to actually uh, need to focus and uh, rely on building their own civil yes. resilience and civil defense abilities, and uh, that is really taking place here in Taiwan. Okay, William, we're grateful to you for joining us. As always, William Yang, we're very grateful to William, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.